This is the We Fish with Phoenix Boats podcast, built by anglers for anglers. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to the We Fish with Phoenix Boats podcast. I'm your host, Tim Trockenbrook. With me, as always, is my co-host, Brian Travis, and today in studio, special guest, uh, Drew Benton. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, it's always good to come up here and see all the uh, the new toys you guys are putting <laughs> out and, and pick my rocket ship up. Well, man, we are glad to have you. I um, know you've had quite a busy off-season, so we're glad that we could uh, get you scheduled in to come up here and just hang out for a bit. Yeah, I've been, uh, ever since the last event, I've been really hitting the woods hard, hunting, and that's just kind of the way I get my release and um, spend my off-season. It's it's a good way to recharge the batteries, and uh, I kind of got two two good bucks under my belt and got my boat built, so it's time to get up here and uh, start pre-practicing for the Classic. Now, do you pick a rod up at all during the off-season? Sometimes I do. Just I took to move my, it from one I, side of the shop to the other. <laughs> I took my little boy fishing a couple of times, but I honestly, I drove home from St. Clair with my rods on my deck and didn't touch them until I got rid of my boat a couple of weeks ago. So, <laughs> so there wasn't much thought or, or uh, much fishing going on in my house. That fishing line might have been a little bad too. Yeah, <laughs> it might have been. It's just, you know, we're on the road so much and spend so much time doing it, and it's the most rewarding job in the world, don't get me wrong. It's just uh, – you know, when I'm done with the season, I'm ready to be done with it for a little while. And I think if you do something too long, you kind of get stuck in a rut. And um, for me, it's good to come home and do something different. It kind of keeps you hungry for the mm-hmm. next year. Doesn't yeah. let you get burnt out on it. Yeah, do you do any saltwater fishing while you're in the off season? I do. Um, not as much now that I live in Georgia, but I, I have a couple buddies back home that, that still are big into saltwater fishing, and I go with them from time to time. But, yeah. I do um, saltwater fish, and it's it's totally different than freshwater fishing. So it's not it's not like I'm doing the same thing. It's That's something right. different. And now talk about uh, going back home. I mean, you grew up in Panama City, so I mean, what? How did you get into bass fishing? Being from there, I mean, most folks would think you'd be a saltwater guy and probably get on a first mate job and run your own boat. I mean, how did you get into bass fishing in Panama City? Well, to be honest with you, it uh, it all started fishing little golf course ponds and, and little freshwater lakes. We have a lot of little lakes around where I grew up. Um, a lot of them called the Sandhills Ponds. And, you know, they're, they're named. They're just small little one-acre to 10-acre, 15-acre, 20-acre lakes. And, and I would wade fish them. Me and my buddies had float tubes. We would take little john boats. And, and they were really fertile bodies of water if i can describe they don't have a lot of you know shad or you know your typical forage like they have out west where those bass get big out there Mm -hmm. on salmon and and trout and things like that but they were real fertile and they grew big bass and i remember um a lot of those little lakes were drying up in like 2006 and that summer i probably caught four fish over 10 i caught two over Good 13 night. and a buddy of mine that was fishing with me caught one 14 15 in those those little sandhill ponds so that's kind of where i got bit by the the bass bug just growing up just we used to you know just go around walking around wading fishing all those ponds every every day we get got a chance you gotta worry about alligators in a float tube in a florida pond you do you do <laughs> there was one one vivid memory I have, there was a little lake that had an island out in the middle of it, 
and there was a ridge that you could wade out to that island and you could walk around that island and fish the whole thing. Well, I'd waded out there and I was probably in waist deep water and I heard something behind me and I was already out there at the island. So there was no way to get back across the water. And it was a, about a eight foot alligator that rose up and all I saw was his eyes and then his nose. I thought it was a turtle at first and I saw it was an alligator. Slapped him on the nose with a rod and he peeled off and I took off the other way. And, Good night. And I got back across there. You didn't drop the people's elbow on him? I mean... <laughs> I, I mean that that was the most nervous I've probably been around the uh, alligator at that that time. It was uh, it was close to dark. It, looking back at it now, I was about sixteen years old. It probably wasn't the smartest <laughs> smartest thing to be doing, you know, dusk. But those fish were were biting and it kept me out there. I've never seen one on Lake Wheeler. They say they're there, uh, but we were duck hunting yesterday and it's sixty degrees, and I've been. I was scared the whole time we were going to step on an alligator. Yeah. And y'all just normal currents. Y'all probably had names for them. I'm telling you, I done the <laughs> stupidest stuff when I was there. I remember like swimming across sloughs and and reeds and stuff, holding rods up, you know, through <laughs> places where there's tons of alligators. And you'd be wading along and step in an alligator hole and oh, it was just a hole. You know, but you really knew what it was. Oh, what, what you're it was just all telling about. yourself, I had just a whole right <laughs> It's work. crazy growing up. Now. I mean, even even saltwater fishing. I know a lot of guys that will go out and wade the flats catching reds and have stringers ripped off. You know, sharks coming up and biting them, and uh, it's just a whole different way of life. Now. Yeah, <laughs> everything's got teeth. It's different. There's. I mean, Florida's America's Australia. Y'all just do some crazy stuff out there and just don't. Well, I mean, honestly, no fear. I've. <laughs> Around my house, there's never really been any bad alligator attacks or anything. Mm -hmm. I think that they're honestly more scared of you than you are of them. It's just a matter of you don't want to appear to be some kind of forage. Right. So as long as you're not, you know, flailing in the water, they're just curious. They're just coming up to check you out. So it's not a a deal where it's like great white shark and you're Mm -hmm. there their meal or anything i think they're just kind of curious but ultimately they're they're more scared than you are so i got i got a question so you grew up in panama city um other people may not want to know this but i've always been curious when you grow up in a very very touristy area everybody knows panama city everybody's migrating down there for spring break etc what is it like growing up in a community that has that many tourists coming in going to school trying to get around town you know how do you fight through that well it, I honestly have never been a beach person. I didn't go out there much and didn't didn't get too wrapped up in that. Um, but definitely getting around is an issue now more than ever, um, especially after the storm. And that's kind of the reason why I moved to Georgia. A lot of people don't know I live in Blakely, Georgia now, and it's um, it got to be where it was just too much. It's too many people, and you know we're country folks. We we kind of lived on the outskirts of Panama City and. And now, you know, we, we wanted to get some property and kind of be out of way, and and we did that. And, you know, very blessed, very fortunate to be able to do that. But it's definitely not my, you know, style to yeah. be, mm-hmm. you know, having to leave 45 minutes early just to go somewhere in town. That's just not me. And it's, it's definitely a tough deal. Yeah. Um, Where do you go for vacation when you live in a vacation town? <laughs> Uh, that's a good question. We, Gat- we come, Gatlinburg. Yeah, we actually, so we honeymooned in Gatlinburg. So, yep, that's, uh, that's, 
a good pick. It, it is interesting. Cade's Cove, mm-hmm. yeah. Everybody from Cade's up Cove here, is cool. everybody from up here comes down there. Everybody from down there comes comes up here. It's so. funny because it's all about your perspective. Because we hear it all the time. People come through here and come to Nashville. You know, Nashville's blowing up right now, and everybody just talks. It's gorgeous. Tennessee's beautiful, and it is. Make no mistakes about it. But when you grow up and live here, you don't think about this ever being a stop for somebody. And then there's people migrating from all over. So right, it's interesting. Funny, funny story. I, I met a farmer out there that lives really close to where I live now in Georgia, and we were talking about how much I loved it out there. It was quiet. You know, I have property to raise deer on and, and everything like that and close to the lakes and how much we enjoy it. And at the same time, he's wanting to, to find a place down there closer to the beach because that's <laughs> what they love, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's all perspective, it you is. know, you know, it's everybody wants to, I think it's human nature. Everybody wants to do something different. And, yep. Well, in between stepping in alligator holes and uh, swimming through reed piles, did you uh, play any sports growing up? I did. I played baseball all through high school, and I played two years in college. And I think that's probably where my competitive nature comes in. And, and you know, fishing and being competitive, it only made sense to, to start tournaments. And so whenever I wrapped up my, uh, my final year playing college baseball, I jumped right into the Costas and Opens mm-hmm. and uh, – which is now the FLW series and Bassmaster Opens and started doing fairly well. I mean, I started cutting checks on a consistent basis and it was just my mindset that it really never meant much who was in the event because you were fishing against the fish. And you, I mean, as long as you did your job and cut checks, I mean, you were, you could make a living at it. Mm -hmm. And especially if you moved up to the next level. So 2013, I set out to to fish the FLW tour. Now, when did you start doing these opens? What what year was that? Let's see. I think about 2011 or 12. Okay, so stepping in, getting into it now. What did uh, what did folks think when you said I'm done with baseball? Uh, I kind of got a lot of funny looks. I mean, because I'd done it so long, and um, I was kind of committed to it uh, for so long, and I I really at one point thought that. Hey, I might do this, mm-hmm. you know, long term. And the the whole professional sports that game is, is so hard to to make it to the top level. I've still got friends that are still in the minor leagues, and I've got some that are playing on TV. It's it's just a small percentage of people that even get that opportunity. And you know, it, it to me, I just didn't see myself, you know, in that that percentage projectably. So I just. Uh, Kind of bowed out, and you know, at that same time, I got bit by the fishing bug pretty bad, and kind of wanted to try something new. What position did you play? I caught and played in outfield, played right field. What was your pop time? That's a good question. I think it was uh, my best pop time was like two eight. I was I was a two five, so I mean, yeah, you were almost there. Yeah, a little bit more practice. (laughs) You could have hit the TLT the fourth. (laughs) Yeah. What about your parents? Did they uh, did they take you fishing growing up? I mean, how? What what made you and your buddy want to go start jumping some ponds and? Well, I uh, I guess my first fishing adventures were with my granddad or my papa on the Apalachicola River. Um, my dad fished some, but he was mostly hunter, and and we hunted a lot. It, and that's kind of what got me started outdoors. But you know, I didn't really have much fishing growing up. I really didn't even bass fish until I was about fifteen or sixteen years old. So. Mm-hmm. It was something again. It was relatively new to me, and then you know I got into it pretty pretty hard. Pretty hard. And what what's kind of interesting about this whole 
deal and it kind of brings everything full circle. When I was still in college and I was, you know, playing ball and this this dream was kind of formulating in my mind, you know, you hear college kids send resumes out all the time to all these companies, you know, wanting this, that, and the other. And, and Phoenix around that time was a relatively new company. And I had sent my resume or my idea of what I wanted to do. It wasn't really a resume. It was just like, hey, I'm wanting to try to be a professional fisherman. This is my basically my career path or my game plan of how I'm going to do it. And I sent it out to all these major manufacturer, boat manufacturers, and Gary Klaus was the only one who returned that email. Really? Yep. And I can't, I can't thank, uh, can't thank him enough for just giving this kid a chance. To be honest with you, and yeah. you went out. I mean, your first year on FLW tour, 2013. So you fished some opens. Um, we're in a Phoenix then, and you won your first pro <laughs> event. Yeah. How did that feel? I mean, I know oh, it was like Okeechobee, right? Right, and and. I'll get back, I'll get to that, but one thing that kind of burns me up that I hear, you know, young kids and, and I, you know, what what's going on in the industry talking about, you, you know, you can't do this unless you have money or backing or whatever. Man, I had $5,000 to my name. and that, I, that first year? That on. first year. Wow. I had one sponsor. I had $5,000 to my name, and I got in that first event just hoping to get to the next event mm -hmm. and won a hundred grand. So, so you were hoping to cash a check, just bankroll into the next one and hopefully yep. make yep. it through my, the year. My whole idea was, you know, if this doesn't work out, I've got enough tackle and enough, you know, saved up. I can sell it all and pay my debt off and start over. You know, mm -hmm. that was my, my whole plan is just, it worked out. Now you were a longshoreman too. Were yeah. you still doing it at that time? Yeah, yeah, I still worked, and uh, I think last year was my last year. Um, this past October was my last year. Mm -hmm. So 2008, 2018, October 2018 was my last time I worked down there. Well, we'll get back into that, but let's talk about that event, though. I mean, your first pro event, like you said earlier, you don't care who's in it, but you're fishing. I mean, you need to make it. You need to do something. Did that play in your mind at all? Not really. Did you stick with the game plan? What's and weird about fishing, and it's always been this way for me, it, it, it doesn't matter if it's the Bassmaster Classic. It doesn't matter if it's a, a Tuesday night or I'm just going fishing. Mm -hmm. You know, and that that's – if you put it in that perspective, it never gets out of hand to the point where you can't control your emotions. And, you know, it when you get back in and you go through the – you know, the coliseums and stuff that we weigh in and the arenas and it, it's just that stuff gets to me a little bit. But the actual fishing of the event never never gets to me no matter how big of an event it is because if you just think about what you got to do next, the next bite, it, it never gets too big. So so when did you think it, during that first tournament you had it? <laughs> I never thought I had it. <laughs> even uh, Even walking up fourth day with your rag of fish, you didn't think you had it? Well, I kind of, I kind of did by then because everybody told me how tough it had been. And one thing I learned about Okeechobee, the first year I was there, I actually found it was in a EverStart at that time is what it was called. But I actually thought I'd found the winning school of fish, and the wind on Okeechobee. If you're fishing a three or four day event, you're going to get a wind direction out of every end of that lake. 
So what I learned from that first event, I applied to that tour event, and I had good three good areas on all different areas or, or ends of the lake for every wind. So if you practice that place for every wind, you have options. And that's what saved me up there on that, that um, north bank where I ended up, you know, kind of salvaging the tournament on the last day. Yeah, those weren't big fish that I was catching, but when everybody else's water was blowed out, I had something to go to, and that was just something that I learned, and um, and it just paid off big time. Who was more pumped, you or your parents, after that win? I was pretty pumped. I mean, you, you give a, a 22-year-old hundred grand, and when he has nothing to his name and his, back, his back's against the wall, he's pretty jacked up. Oh, I can imagine. And then you just kind of fished uh the rest of the year you still had a pretty decent year made a couple more checks after that yeah, didn't so, you so made uh, the cup yep made the cup uh one rookie of the year um i want to get to that too because you won it at bass as well yeah and yep. then your roommate this year won it mm -hmm. yep drew cook yep and he's from right down the road he lives mm -hmm. in uh quincy florida which is like an hour from panama city so when I come on the elites here in about 30 years, I'm going to room with you so I get rookie of the year. <laughs> there you go. Guaranteed, right? That's right. <laughs> you, should, you should make that a little side business. Pretty Just, good pretty good track record. <laughs> yeah. Come room with me for a year, pay to travel, and maybe you'll win. We, we make rookie of the years. <laughs> there you go. You only get one shot at it, though. Yeah. It's, you can't uh, be a rookie twice. I know. It, it's kind of a weird deal. Um, you know, I guess – when you fish the tour for three seasons, you don't really feel like a rookie just because you change. Right. But I guess I tip. I guess I was, but you know, is mm. what it is. I'll take it. I'll take it. Whatever they're going to oh, dish man. out. That's the, I know it didn't come with an extra check, but you got a trophy, right? I got a trophy. Now they pay. <laughs> That's kind of burns me up a little bit. Drew should have to split that. <laughs> that with was you. the first year or the last year they didn't. They didn't pay. It was the year I won. Yeah, Drew owes you a little cut of that. <laughs> So, uh, but last year you were rooming with Drew and uh, David Mullins, is that right? David Mullins, yep. And finally got him talked into running a real boat. So we'll have <laughs> uh, we'll have two Phoenixes backed into wherever we're staying. Now you're doing 721, and he is as well. I believe he is. I really don't know what he's going to be running. I thought that he was doing 721. He asked me what I was running, and, and that's the the first hole I've, I had. And you know, I'm I'm big on if it ain't broke, don't fix it, and that 721 is just a, a heck of a boat. It's a good fishing boat. It's fast, and uh, it fits my style. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I just don't see myself doing anything different just for, for that reason. It just fits me so well, and, you know, it's it's done really good for me. Now, that 721, uh, you've always had a relatively pretty quick boat. Do you carry a lot of stuff with you? Uh, I do in practice, but mm -hmm. I uh, I try to be really efficient, and um, I'll I'll take everything that I know I'm not going to need out, and uh, I lighten lighten my boat up quite a bit. It's just, uh, I mean, there's something about that. You know, Gerald, I heard him talk about it when he switched to Phoenix this year. There's something about that takeoff in the morning, that that boat race. Mm -hmm. You know, that that aspect of it's pretty cool. It's a uh, and and I enjoyed winning most of those boat races. <laughs> <laughs> I could see so. I definitely. Um, now you actually. I mean, uh, your roommate had a good year, but you had a good year too. I mean, top ten in AOI this year. Yep. Um, did you change anything? I mean, have you learned something as an angler? I mean, you've been doing this 
I mean, you're a veteran. You've been doing it for, what, 10 years now professionally, going on 10? Yeah. Um, I mean, every year you pick up something new. Um, one thing that I think benefited me the most is we went through that storm down there, and I didn't have anything ready. I didn't have I didn't have any tackle ready. I didn't have any rods ready. I basically had my rods shipped down there to the St. John's River, threw my tackle and some totes in, a, in the back of the truck, and just went fishing. And that's the way I went throughout the whole year, and just kind of rolled with it, man. I think I'm. That's my style more is just kind of fishing by the seat of my pants and and just kind of winging it. And uh, if I think too much about it, I overthink things. So that's one thing. The other thing is, you know, you, you visit these places and that are so diverse, like St. Lawrence River and and uh, you know the tidal places that we go and and the Tennessee River, and you start to learn the tendencies of these bodies of water and start to really develop an idea of what you're going to have to do before you get there and then once you get there for those um, official practice days you you have it really narrowed down to what's going to be going on and and that so you don't get spun out by a 40,000 right. acre lake you know that you, you, I've got five you, to eight thousand acres I'm right you at. can narrow it down before you even get there and, and you try not to do too much if if you try to see a whole body of water like when you go to Toledo Bend however many hundred thousands of acres it is you can't fish or see it all in three days so you've got to say hey this is where i'm going to fish and this is i'm either going to live or die by it and early in my career i'd have tried to do a lap around that thing in practice (laughs) because i felt like i had to see it all because somewhere on there is the winning fish but it's not necessarily the case there's winning fish all over you just got to figure out how to catch them wherever you're you're choosing to fish now how do you do that do you do that with pre-tournament you know kind of uh do you go out and pre-fish do you look at the internet some past results kind of get a, a game plan so that when you put your boat in on day one of practice you know yeah about where you want to be yeah i try to pre-practice everywhere that i've never been before or have don't have any history um and then i i spend a lot of time looking at google maps um aerial photos um, that's that's big for me You'll be surprised at how much offshore stuff you can see on aerial stuff, um, just satellite imagery. And, um, you know, past tournament results is a, is a good way because those community holes or community creeks or whatever, they're community for a reason. They're, mm-hmm. you know, always going to hold fish. But, uh, you know, it's gut instinct, really. You know, what are the fish doing? Are they... They're going to be moving up to spawn. They're going to be in the flatter style, you know, style pockets. And I'll, I'll look at my Lawrence mapping and see, you know, what, how the lake lays out and which pockets are flat, which ones have hard bottom, you know, things like that. And you just kind of narrow it down to, to where you think the fish will be, what stage of the spawn they'll be in, and you just kind of roll with it. Are you daylight to dark during practice? I am. Uh, not so much when we go – up north because if you fish from daylight dark up there it seems like when we're up there late in the summer you're fishing for like 16 hours in a day and it's <laughs> you you can really drain yourself so it's uh we usually come off the water about six or seven up there really there's some time for dinner who cooks it with y'all's group man we we don't cook a whole lot we cook occasionally but it's usually me really yeah well, we usually throw something on the grill Throw some deer meat on the grill, or Mullins brought some doves one time, but, but yeah. I need to get him to get off some of them ducks he's been shooting this yeah, year. Yeah, he's been shooting some ducks. Mm-hmm. 
Now, uh, going back to uh, to last year, I mean, you had just, I think, what was your lowest finish, like 37th? I mean, you you rocked it out last year. Did you uh, have, like, a sense of confidence going into this offseason that next year, you know, you can kind of bankroll on that confidence? or I don't know if it was really uh, confidence as much as just co- being comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, I've kind of come into my own a little bit with what I'm doing, and – you know, you, I don't know how to describe it. It, it. it it might be more of confidence, like you said. But to me, it just whenever you're comfortable, your decisions, you're, you're, you're firm on all your decisions you make. And, like, you fish every cast like there's a fish right there. And you don't second guess what you're doing. And I think that's the biggest thing. Um, it's just being comfortable. Mm-hmm. So let's get into a little bit about you, though. What is one bait you can't live without next year? One bait I can't live without next year. It's probably going to be a Big Bites Fighting Frog. You got any extras? I probably <laughs> do, but they're not with me. <laughs> All right. I want to I go back to the point you made a second ago um, about not second-guessing yourself. Because I'll tell you, for me, I find myself getting into a problem with not knowing when to second guess myself. I'll get on something like dead gummit. They ought to be biting right here and they ought to be biting this before I know it. Tournament's over. A little Wednesday nighter's over. I'm still dragging the same worm with no fish. I'm like, dead gum. So, you know, when do you know to pull the plug and roll on with something else? Well, that's a really good question. Sometimes I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, sometimes I, I find myself sticking out sticking it out too long and not bailing on it and going to plan b and then when i get to plan b i wish i had more time you Mm -hmm. know that happens a lot but um i mean it's just uh it's just one of those things that can't be taught you know uh, i tell people all the time that ask how do you do or how do you become a professional fisherman and there's no book there's nothing you can watch on youtube there's nothing that you can just go out and learn from other than just being out there on the water and putting yourself in as many different situations on as many different bodies of water in as many different weather conditions and times of the year because that's the way you learn. You don't learn by, you know, listening to people on TV. and you, I mean, you've got to go out there and live it and trial and error. And, I mean... <sighs> I don't know. It's a it's it's a little voice in, in deep down that that tells you, you know, hey, this ain't working, or or you got to do something else. So that'd be your biggest piece of advice to somebody listening is time on the water and and not fishing just when it's sunny and seventy five out, but going on those cold days, going when the wind's blowing to to put yourself in those kind of situations to just better yourself as an angler? Yeah, I don't do it as much as I used to, but when I was young, I used to go out on some nasty days, and I'm thinking back to some of them uh, that were cold and windy. One of them in particular was a bluebird sky. It was like, this was in Florida now. It was so cold. I'd you really wear jeans, didn't you? And I had ice in my rod, my mm-hmm. rod guides, and I was wanting to learn how to punch and that was one of the best days for me to learn how to punch and how lethargic they can be in florida and how many times you can pump a a bait under a mat and then how subtle the bite is sometimes Mm -hmm. um and i'd have never learned that if i'd have stayed inside like i wanted to (laughs) well now you don't have to do that (laughs) i i mean yes and no i mean you still gotta you know 
work on your craft every chance you get. And, um, you know, that's what I'm going to do when I get off this podcast. I'm going to go out there on Gunnersville. It's, it's going to be cool out there, but I know that I need to go out there and spend some time and, and see where the grass grew this year later in the summer. And, and uh, you know, there's no excuse for not putting the work in because everybody can do it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that part translates to, to a lot of different sports. You, know, mm-hmm. you grew up playing baseball. I mean, if you studied it enough – and you got up to bat, the game's on the line, and you know you got bases loaded, and you're at a full count. You you have a better idea what that pitcher is more apt to throw if yeah. you studied him. So yeah, Absolutely. spending your time on the water is the same thing as watching film or, or whatever for a football player. So um, I think that makes sense. Absolutely. Now you got a, a how old your son now? So we have a, a five year old, and you got one on the way, and, right? and one little boy on the way. So it's uh, we're gonna have plenty of fishing partners. Yeah. <laughs> when, when's the new one due? Uh, end of February. Okay, so right around the classic. Right time. around the classic. Yep. I mean, that'd be a cool birthday gift to give him. Yeah, hopefully we can, you know, get it get it done before the classic, <laughs> and it doesn't it doesn't uh, mess with me too much. But uh, but definitely excited about that. Now, does your wife and son now do they ever come out on the road with y'all? They do occasionally. Cade's in school now, so it you know obviously that's a little bit tougher. Mm-hmm. Um, but when school's out. Um, they usually try to come one or two a year, come with me. So Now, what's his interest been in fishing? Does he like to go with you at least for yeah. boat rides? Or Yeah, he likes to go. I mean, and he'll he'll stand on the back of the boat with a little rod. I rigged up a 30-pound braid and throw a frog around. And But whenever I catch one and it goes in the live well, he's done fishing. He wants to play with it in the live well, <laughs> <laughs> which is fine. And he, yeah. he's, he likes to hold them up, take pictures with them and all that. It's all part of it. But he – uh. He hasn't got bit by the bug yet, but he likes to go with me hunting, fishing, feeding the deer, whatever it is that I'm doing. He likes to be right there, so that's always good. I think him just being out there, he's not going to you know, remember where y'all went or what y'all did, but just being out there getting to uh, get his feet wet in the water or something, I mean, that's a that's a pretty cool thing to pass down. Oh, yeah, it is. I I, I spent countless hours um, following my dad and my papa around the woods and and uh, I can kind of relate to, to how it molds you as a person. So I, I'm hoping we're going down the right path anyway. What do you think of that big deer you shot this year? Oh, man, he was excited about it. He um, he was actually with me the afternoon before, and I almost got a shot at him then. Kind of wish I would have, but it is what it is. And, and uh, But he's been with me a ton out there checking cameras, and, and uh, you know, we feed them and put food plots in and, He's been right along my side the whole time, so it's um, he's definitely gets excited about it. So he got to sharing it some, yep, putting he in did. some of the work. He's big, like I said, he's big on posing with them now. He <laughs> he sees a camera out, he'll he'll get down there and hold them horns up. <laughs> <laughs> well, he didn't with need the to long arm that one. That was a good buck. No, no, it's a it was a buck of a lifetime for sure. It you know one thing that happened for me this year is I killed a. The biggest buck of my life three times this year at different times. You know, I went to Missouri and killed a pretty good deer, and then I killed that one, which is, you know, the biggest buck I've ever killed. And then I killed one two nights ago that would have been bigger than anything I had killed up to this year. So um, I've just kind of been on the roll. It's uh, It's been a, a, a very special year for sure. Now, when do you decide to put the bow up, put the gun up, and uh... – Start fishing. Is that is that now, or is that in a couple of weeks? Typically, I, I would go through January because in Florida the season you know goes 
till you know actually mid February. But um, this year I kind of got it out of my system a little early. I, I'm I'm ready to get rolling fishing. It's it's just something that you know I work towards so hard in the off season. You want to kill a good deer, or at least have an opportunity, and uh, I've definitely accomplished that. So. Once I get it out of my system, I'm kind of ready to, to move on back to fishing. Now, what do you do uh, now that you've got the boat? What's the first thing you do when you get get your new one? First thing I do really is is just break it in. Mm-hmm. Um, just cruise around, get a feel for it. Um, one thing that people don't know is I order the same exact everything every year. Like um, the setup's the same. Everything's exactly the same. So I don't really have to familiarize myself with anything. I kind of know what to expect, um, so it's just uh, it's just get it broke in and get some slime in it. So <laughs> get it. When, when you're out there breaking in, can can you help yourself from throwing a rod or two on the deck when you take it out, or do you just leave all the rods at home? Well, for this particular trip, I left just about everything at home, other than what I got up on top of my truck and that rod coffin. But um, and that's just to keep me from fishing too much because. Yeah. Anytime you come to Gunnersville, you're going to be tempted, and I just really need to spend my two days riding around the idling and looking. And I knew if I brought all that stuff, I wouldn't be doing much idling around and looking. <laughs> so, so when you get home, what, you putting tackle in for the first event? You putting, uh, you know, is that how you start to get your boat ready for the year? No, I'll probably go through everything this year since I didn't do it at all last year. It's a mess. Everything I got's a mess, and. Uh, between you know fishing the year and then us moving you know we moved up there in april and everything's kind of been in the back of my truck and i just set it out in my shop so it's it's still a mess so i'll probably try to go through everything and organize it a little bit and um you know we have an event close to home and it's a lake that i have some history with in lake eufaula that um uh, I fished back in 2010, 2009, um, fished some team tournaments there and had a lot of success, but it's changed a lot. So I need to spend a, a lot of time getting prepared and getting familiar with that place because it's so close to home. I feel like I need to invest a lot of time into it. So I'll probably spend more time doing that than I will on tackle or anything like that. But um, for me, it's not really loading the boat as much as making sure it's in the truck. As long mm-hmm. as I got it in the truck, I can always get it out. You know, I try to be, like I said, as minimal as I can in the boat and um, and just keep everything everything that I own in there because <laughs> so, you never know when you might need it. So if you didn't have the move and, and obviously the hurricane, I mean, are you an organized person? No, no, I'm a controlled chaos kind of guy. Really? Yeah. I, feel, I feel you there. <laughs> Brian definitely does. Yeah, I got a, I got a stack over here, uh, pile of chatterbaits over here, you know, that but, type But of you thing. probably know what what's in the pile, right? For the most part. That's the way I am. I, yeah. I got a pretty good idea of what's in what pile, you know. I do. I do you know, there's so many little places to stash baits in our, in our boats, you know. You got those two little square trays, and then up underneath them is a great place to lose expensive swim baits and stuff that I stick <laughs> up in there. I uh, When I was cleaning my boat out that I just sold, I found all kinds of treasures in there that I forgot I had. So <laughs> I've got I've got a whole pile of that junk that's in my shop that i got to go through at some point. But, uh, yeah, it's, it definitely can can pile up when you're not as organized as, as now, Brian's definitely be. not organized at no. all. 
I mean, crankbaits, spinnerbaits, chatterbaits, and probably swimbaits are all in one box. For and sure. it's just I maybe mean, that there easier. might be four boxes with all of them in each one. You I, know? I set out to be organized. I mean, I tried just whenever you're fishing. I don't know. It's just cut that thing off. It ain't working and tie something else on it. It don't yeah. matter if it goes in the box right now. And then when you get in, you're so tired. You don't want to <laughs> go through and put stuff back in boxes. And then the event comes and you're just trying to make it through the event. And then you just want to go home and relax from the event. So it's a feeling. That would drive <laughs> See, me my, nuts. My chaos is so bad that Tim, who's, I guess we have partners around here, he's my partner, he made boxes for me. Wrote on oh. them for me, you know, deep crank, chatterbaits, you know. Hey, it Tim, drives me nuts. What would you charge me to come do something like that? Well, I'm going to I'm gonna preface this. I'm colorblind now. Oh. So to be as organized and neat as I'd like to be and be colorblind is real difficult. My wife will sit there and I'll bring in everything I can't tell what color it is and we go through it. And if it's green, it goes here, brown's here. and um, well, I'll, I'll get you a good price. I mean, if you get me rookie of the year, we may make a trade-off. Well, I've always been one to say, hey, man, those colors are to catch fishermen. Bass just seeing shades. Nope. <laughs> Doesn't matter if, it, if that's the case or not. It needs to be in the right place in the right box so that if you do think you need that color... It's right there. <laughs> Watermelon red weights catch more than black weights. I'm just saying. Oh, he'll argue, he will argue that for days. <laughs> That's my favorite thing, though. So, um, got the classic coming up. You excited about that? I am, man. That's the biggest event that you know has ever been in the sport and ever will be in the sport. And it doesn't matter who's fishing it. It's the Bassmaster Classic. I'm excited about it. There, there'll be 300 grand up for grabs, and um, it's just. Uh, it's a great feeling whenever you roll in through that uh, that drive-through weigh-in and see the amount of people who are behind you in the sport. It's um it's just incredible. I uh, I remember going to my first classic in Birmingham. It was the first classic I actually ever attended was when Randy Howell won in Birmingham, and that's a big place to have a classic. Mm-hmm. And uh, my first one was in Houston. And it was it was big, and then Tennessee was incredible last year. So this will be my third classic in four seasons. So I'm um, I'm expecting it to be just as big or bigger than Tennessee for sure, and it's going to be exciting. Oh, Birmingham's always a good venue. I mean, they pack it out. Being able to walk right to the way in from the expo mm-hmm. gets a lot of traffic in there. That stadium gets loud. Yep. Now, what, how did you feel in that first classic? Did that feel like a, a career moment for you, regardless of the finish and, you know, just to make it there? How'd that feel? Yeah, I mean, I was definitely um, just honored to be there, for one. It was cool that we weighed in in the Major League Baseball field. Yeah, that for was me, cool. For me, personally, mm-hmm. it was cool. And, um, you know, then the second one rolled around, and I'm like, okay, I've been here. I want to win, you know, you know. I didn't – it's not like I didn't try to win the first one. I mean, I was in the top ten going into the last day. Just didn't catch them as, as good as I needed to. But um, then uh, rolled around to Tennessee, and I really wanted it – you know, I was really wanting it bad. Run a long way, tried to do too much, honestly, and um, should have stayed closer and, and just fished. And um, this year – I've got a little bit more experience on Gunnersville in the spring. I fished a couple coastas and um, that time of year, and I, I know what I've got to do. So I'm I'm definitely excited about this one. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that I, you know, don't be betting on me or anything, but I'm just saying I, Put I, have, them the on your fantasy team, I have the confidence. Put them on your fantasy team. I have the confidence coming into this one. Like 
I haven't had before in the previous ones. Well, I sat with you at the, uh, I guess it was the AOY dinner right before the classic there in, in Knoxville, and you just seemed like zoned in, focused. Like, I don't think we talked much at dinner at all. Like, you were just <laughs> laser focused. You were, you know, you were happy to be there, but you yeah. were just focused on that task at hand. Yeah, I don't know. I just, uh, it, I get that way whenever I get close and I feel good about something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's, it's hard to describe. People tell me about it, and I'm like, what are you talking about? I, I don't <laughs> I even just really saw that look. That. <laughs> I just saw that look it's, on uh, your face. It's just one what of those. What are you talking about? I don't know. I, I think that's just an element, another element of this whole game that we play that can't be taught. I mm-hmm. mean, it's just something that, you know, you got to have a mindset about you to do what we do. Um, and it's it, And that definitely, to me, is – stems back to my baseball days you know when i'd step in that batter's box i was trying to hit that that pitch right off that pitcher's chest just as hard as i could Mm -hmm. it was me versus him and that's the same way when i launched that boat it's me versus the fish and um that's just a mindset you got to have absolutely now um now is the family going to be coming up for the classic well don't know yet it just depends depends on the baby and yeah that's you know that's going to be hard on my wife to to have um well because it's a partnership for y'all to do this i mean you couldn't do this without absolutely uh couldn't do it without you know her keeping everything in in order at home and taking care of kate and things like that i'm sure that if she can't make it kate will probably come with my parents or or something but uh for right now we're just gonna kind of play it by ear now kate's probably keep her hands full i mean he's all boy isn't he man yes i (laughs) i I don't see how she does it sometimes he is wild He's gonna call, call you when he gets in the, He's gonna call you when he gets in an alligator hole to come get him <laughs> yeah. out or something. I hope not. <laughs> I hope that uh, you know, he's smarter than I am when it comes to that kind of stuff. Because where we're at now, there's some big alligators. Mm-hmm. You just got. A, you were, we were talking a little bit ago. Uh, got him a four wheeler. Yep. Yeah, we got him a four wheeler for Christmas, and he's he's getting braver and braver by the day on that thing. It kind of scares me a little bit. I uh, I know how many times I've rolled in them things and. How dangerous it could be, but he's uh he's listening and being careful. So oh, that's good. You got a helmet? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> helmet, knee pads, elbow pads. Might as well wrap him in bubble wrap. <laughs> Little giants. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Help! I can't get up. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So um, I did have a question. So obviously, you know, comparing two different venues. Last year we were in Knoxville with Classic. This year Birmingham. You know, one of the coolest things for me as a spectator, I, rem- I remember standing on the ramp on the outside of Thompson Bowling Arena on the riverside watching you guys run in, which was really cool just being able to see you guys run in before we watched the way in. This year you've got a little over an hour drive. You know, mm-hmm. what do you do during that drive-in? Um, you know, are you going to you gonna stay at the lake and launch and drive in for weigh-in? Are you staying in Birmingham driving out to the lake, or how's that? Well, we had a similar setup at Houston. You know, we had like an hour and a half commute into town, and I stayed at, at the lake. I just feel like I don't want to have to get up early and drive a long time to put a boat in to go fish a tournament and have all that time to think and then have all that time for something to go wrong, mm-hmm. uh, have a flat tire or anything, you know. So I'm going to stay by the lake. I, I mean, guess. that's just, you know, you, you know what's going on. If, if you're up here in Birmingham and a big storm rolls through that night 
and you don't know about it and it muddies up a creek that you're fishing, you wouldn't know that stayed in Birmingham, but you know it if you stayed at the lake. Right. So, I mean, just little I've things like that. that. That's I interesting. So, um, I just like to, to be as close to, to where I'm going to fish. What about on the drive into weigh-in? Are you going to be on the phone talking to somebody, rehashing the day in your head, jamming out to some music? I mean, uh, Depends on the day I have. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's an honest answer yeah. right there. Now, you're going to drive yourself or you got someone to drive it, drive you in? I'll probably drive myself. Will you? Yep. I probably need that time alone for mm-hmm. one of two reasons. That's <laughs> you right. had a good day or a bad day. That's right. Does, does that help you um, kind of tone down the, the other side of this whole equation? I mean, you've got to focus about you versus a fish, but you've got everything else in bass fishing going on that you're headed to. Does that time alone kind of help you mentally separate yeah, the it, two a little it bit. does that for sure. But the other thing it does, I mean, let's face it, this is a, a two-part job. We've got to be great promoters, and, we, and then we got to be able to catch them. So I've got to prepare myself to say what I'm going to supposed to say on stage or, or whatever. Think about what the next part of that day is going to be. I mean, after you've gone through a day like a Bass Master Classic and you've had all your focus on that, you almost need that extra time to say, okay, now I've got to go weigh in in front of 30,000 people. How do I need to, you know, do this? What do I need to talk about? You know, you got to run that, that stuff over your head. And that's probably, probably what, uh, what I would do. I'm not as quick on my feet as somebody like Gerald Swindle. And (laughs) I think he could be a, a stand up comic if fishing didn't work out. But, um, you know, I've got to think about what I'm going to say and, you know, any kind of, message that i want to convey make sure your flies up and that's right your tie that's right yeah. <laughs> so you got a walkout song picked I've, no. I've asked everyone that's come in and i've always just been interested how do you pick a walkout song well my wife picked it last year and you know it ain't broke so i ain't gonna fix it i guess i'll i'll uh, keep it the same it was it's kind of against the grain against my style but uh it was um eminem phenomenal really? off of southpaw yep I never would have picked that song for you. I I didn't pick it for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, did she have a reasoning behind it? No, she just said it was a a good motivational song. It gets you, you know, in the mindset that you know nothing can stop you. So mm-hmm. now, do you have a playlist that you listen to in the mornings before a tournament? Do you like silence? No, I don't really listen to much. Just other than you know traveling and mm-hmm. things like that. I don't have a playlist or anything. Usually I I need my morning time to wake up because I'm I'm telling you that these these four day events after three days of practice you're pretty tired when you roll into that first day of the tournament it's an endurance match really and um, it takes you a couple a couple tournaments to really get in shape mm-hmm. I mean unless you do a lot of stuff in the off season which I don't other than hunt but um, it takes you a while to get in the swing of things and I kind of need that a little quiet time to get awake and kind of make sure I'm firing on all cylinders and, and thinking right. But, um, but yeah. Are you a coffee drinker, five hour? What do you do to wake up? No coffee. I don't, I just you run uh, two miles. No, don't run two miles. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> I think that's all overrated. I mean, it's a, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Look at me. I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, I, there is a, a aspect of this game that you need to be in shape because we're on our feet all day. Um, we burn a lot of calories, believe it or not, casting and 
jumping up on the deck and, and all the running around we do. But, um, but no, I don't do anything crazy as far as fitness or anything like that. But coffee, Diet Coke, Mountain Dew? I'm a what are you drinking? In the I'm morning? a diet Mountain Dew guy. Yeah, yep. So I got caffeine in. I don't know if it does or not, but it gets me going. Does it? It's diet Mountain Dew. Come on, man. You know it's got caffeine in it. Well, uh, the Sprite doesn't. I didn't know. Yeah, That's Sprite. Okay. Coke, diet Coke, all. Yeah. Yeah. I try to be a little bit on the healthy side with the diet, but uh, you know. Well, I drink Diet Coke too. <laughs> I don't think anybody would consider that healthy. We need to get them cranking on those Diet Sun Drops. <laughs> yeah. What about boat snacks? What are you eating during the day, or do you man. take a break to eat? So I get snack sticks and, and summer sausage made from the deer I kill in all season. I, I eat a lot of that, jerky. Um, I always keep a jar of peanuts. Mm-hmm. Um, or are they uh, honey roasted peanuts next to me? And I can be running and eat a few peanuts on the way. It's uh, it's really easy to sound like high protein. That's what mm-hmm. I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. A lot of protein. Bananas in the boat or no? No, I don't eat bananas to be honest with so you. But you I don't, don't have I don't have nothing against them. So if a marshal jumped in with a whole man, I'm not really superstitious other than if it if I have a good year in a boat, my next year's boat's gonna be exactly the same. Same color, same same color, color everything. And if you look at my boat outside, I just it looks it awful it's familiar. Exactly yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. So no other superstitions, just nah. just stick with that. Yep. What about uh any rituals? Mm. I like mine's Waffle House in the morning. I have to go to Waffle House in the morning. No, I mean I always like to eat breakfast in the morning, um, for sure. That's um, just because I uh, most of the time I don't slow down in the tournament season and eat lunch during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of a lot of guys do. They'll pack lunch. I, I don't. I don't slow down and eat lunch. I'll eat breakfast and I'll eat dinner um, when I come in. So. That's two meal a day. My I lunch actually, doesn't make you a lunch bag. No, he doesn't. You know, I, I need He's to get on do that. Earn his keep a little that's bit. That's right. That's right. <laughs> now, I mean, I I actually trim up during the the fishing season because I I, I skip a meal every day. Okay, I got you. What about uh, you flip flops or shoes in the summertime? In the summertime, I'm flip flops all yeah. the time. Uh, not all the time. My feet are sunburned. I I wear shoes and pants, but um. Once uh once they turn brown permanently after mm-hmm. after the first few weeks it's it's flip flops. So you grew up in Panama City. You've got experience with sun. What's the best sunscreen for an angler? Neutrogena. That's I, I, I use seventy and a hundred SPF. Really? Mm-hmm. What's seventy for just arms and hundred for the face? Mm-hmm. Hundred for my nose and stuff. Brian, like you taking notes over there? Oh, I got that dialed in. <laughs> that Neutrogena is just not real oily and. Now, do you worry there's guys that won't put it on because they think it'll have ah, a scent to it? Does that bother you? Nah, it don't bother me. What about filling up in the morning? On fuel? Yeah. Some no. guys say that that scent gets on your baits. Does that bother you? No. No, it don't bother me. All right. Well, I guess I can fill up in the morning then. It's yeah, bothered me for a while. free now. <laughs> so what I about – I do want to – so tough day. Let's say you got a tough day in the water. You're struggling to find them. Are you guys going to keep the trolling motor down and grind, or are you going to be bouncing from place to place, running all over the lake chasing them? In a tournament day? No, just to say you're out fun fishing. Are you the type I, that's going to grind it out on a rough day or what? If I'm fun fishing and it, I'm not catching them, I'm going to run around. Yeah, <laughs> I'm with you. And just try to make something happen. Because nine times out of ten, I won't make nothing happen, and it'll remind me why I need to grind it out when yeah. it's tough. And that's a big a big thing. I, I just – I uh, I'm kind of a grinder. I, um, those tough tournaments is when – 
I'd really do my best, I think. Well, right. you got the Sabine to look forward to then yeah, it's coming a, up. a gym. <laughs> I can't wait. I know we're jumping all over subjects here, but we just got you for a little while, so I just want to like, what about you guys in the house? Do you guys share baits? You share some info? I mean, how do you get that trust from somebody to know that they're telling you a little bit of nugget or, or are they giving you the whole juice? Yeah, so I, I've done, I've been all over the map on on the sharing information and everything, and um, it, it comes back to whether you can trust the person or not and whether, you know, they're in it for the same goals you are. I mean, ultimately, we're just all trying to make a living. And, you know, the the group of guys I'm with now and Cook and Mullins, we, um, we're on the same page. We, we each want each other to succeed just as bad as we want ourselves to succeed, and that's the number one thing. And then, um, obviously, me and Mullins have been working together um, for the past couple of years, and then Cook come on, and I actually worked with him in the opens when he was trying to qualify. Um, being from around the house, I knew him, and he knew me already, so we already kind of had a relationship, and, and we kind of rolled into the Elite Series and applied that, and it really worked out well for us. Um, you know, we, we shared everything, um, even down to – locations um on several occasions and and it bailed each of us out i I remember um several several days throughout the year i would be struggling or whatever and i could go to something that one of them told me and either fill out the limit or get me going in the right direction same with with cook you know he um he struggled the first day at at uh, St. John's and I found a place on the, the first day that afternoon where a bunch of big fish had moved in there and he rolled in there and caught him like 24 pounds second day salvaged his whole tournament and without us sharing information you know maybe he doesn't win rookie of the year or or maybe we don't make the classic and and that's that's big for us is we we shared the success we all three made the classic we all three had pretty good years and and it was all a product of us trusting each other and and uh, being open and sharing and being on the same page. I mean, that's almost like a team sport. Then it would, in some regard, I mean, you all work for a common goal of everybody making the classic, and no one's trying to worry about you know backstabbing one to get ahead of the other. Yep. I mean, there was a time at uh, at Fork where me and Cook were side by side. I saw that picture. And like I pulled up that morning. And in the first six casts, I had like 21 pounds. And by the time he got over there, I had like 25 pounds. And we just sat there and just railed them really? side by side. It was awesome. Now, I think I remember seeing that picture in an article that he let you go first because you're older. <laughs> I don't know about that. I think he let me go first because I found him. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe he should specify that in an article. <laughs> no, it's uh, – I mean, it's just like anything. If if he was to find an area, I'm gonna let him start on it. And if same same goes for me, it's just the it's respect of the sport. Yeah, I mean, yeah. as long as you know where everybody's on the same page, and I mean, we all know how to morally do things. So that's just the way it, the way it works. Now, out of the three, y'all, who's the messiest? The messiest would have to be Mullins. Is it? He's a dirty old man. <laughs> <laughs> You're just saying that because he's from Tennessee. <laughs> the Florida guys gang up on the Tennessee yeah. man. That's right. Um, what about Tackle Warehouse? If y'all get a Tackle Warehouse order, who's going to open it just to see what's in there? Oh, well, I'm always the one ordering. I have to be the, Maybe the be responsible organized. one and be like, hey, I'm putting a Tackle Warehouse order. Do you guys need anything? 
Well, that's nice of you. I know. You got to get the free shipping, though. Yeah. The 10 day, well, 10 day next day air. You know, on that, they've kind of messed up their shipping game a little bit, in my opinion. Really? Yeah. It, um, they don't offer it the same way they used to, where it'd be like 10 bucks overnight. Now it's like 10 bucks, but it's, uh, some kind of worded different. And we actually didn't get a package a couple different times on time. So, uh, you're listening, Tackle Warehouse. I think you need to go back to the old <laughs> way. Well, I know they actually got they got a new uh, facility coming in Georgia. So oh, really? now they're going to have two on one on each yeah, coast. Yeah, two hubs. Yeah, yep. that will help. Yeah, that'll definitely help you get them. But but you know, all joking aside, they have really changed the game and the way that you know we can fish. We don't have to carry everything that we own. We can carry a few, and then if we start catching them on it, it's really easy to order. From they, them I think it. they've got it down pat yeah. as far as a website and ordering. Yeah, and they carry. I mean, and you can get it sent out there. If we if we get on a on a bait or a deal in practice, we have a couple of days that we can order something, get it there in time, and it it works out great. Mm-hmm. So if you get onto something in practice, are you going to go ahead and get your order put in before you let them know? You can go no. ahead and get whatever they got on the shelves before no, they clear I mean, out. Out of all honesty, if if I get on something in practice. And I need five bags of them. I'm going to order 20 because I know that they're going to need some too. That's, mm-hmm. right. That's just the way we roll. Well, that's a good roommate. Brian would charge us for them. <laughs> Brian would buy every <laughs> now, single one in stock and then double now, it. Now, I'm not going to say I give them to them for free. <laughs> well, <laughs> but uh, but I, I will get them for them. See, Tim's throwing this out there. He knows I'll never find the winning. <laughs> so it's, it's pretty irrelevant. I don't normally do it. It's not really a winning bait thing, but it's just a confidence thing. That's right. You know? Well, you hate to have like two left and mm-hmm. then be, man, I don't want to throw it here. I might lose it and yep. cost yourself something that could have been. Yep. Yep. Look, we really appreciate you coming down, uh, hanging out with us. Uh, hopefully, we will uh, hit the right buttons to record this and uh, <laughs> get this aired out here soon. But uh, good luck next year for sure. Yeah. One thing, real quick, I'd like to, uh, to plug is uh, me and Cook and Mullins, we got our own little deal we're going to be putting out on YouTube. Um, this year it's going to be life on the cut line. We're going to have a, a guy following us around and really? doing a behind the scenes. Well, dude, we're going to open this back up then because I got questions reality. on that. <laughs> reality deal on, um, you know, kind of what it, what goes into what we do and, and how we work together and how we interact and how we practice. And we're going to do it tournament by tournament and show everybody exactly what goes into preparing for an event. So, now, whose boat is going to be in? Y'all, he's just going to jump around? Or? Yeah, so – the good thing about bass is we can get media waivers um, mm-hmm. for for anybody that is going to work on our social media or whatever, and so they can ride with us in practice and shoot a bunch of content. We can tell them what we're doing, whatever, and and, and he'll take it in and cut it while we're fishing the event, and then show up and we'll do like post event interviews, you know, the results, kind of like a recap type deal mm-hmm. of of how it played out. Well, you got two guys with a podcast. We uh, we can definitely say, use I mean, an we, excuse we to get out of work. Credentials and, uh, oh yeah, <laughs> we can even print our own badge if we need to. There you <laughs> go. Get us there one of those go. waivers. That'd yeah. be fun. <laughs> well, look, uh, no, excellent. That's going to be awesome. When you said it's coming out this year, yeah, we uh, we did a trial um, edit and it's actually ready. Um, we did it at uh, the AOI Championship up on St. Clair, mm-hmm. and um, and we're hoping to to roll through. Uh, with the first ones, probably around the first event of the season, we'll introduce that. It's kind of an introduction of uh, of us, and um, then we'll just hit the ground running with the 
the rest of the events. So what what would somebody need to search to find that? Do you know yet? Uh, right now we're just gonna it's gonna be Cutline. Okay, is, is the name of the series, and it'll be uh, it'll be on YouTube and Mossy Oak Go App. Okay. Yeah, Mossy Oak Go App's pretty slick. I've been watching a bunch of stuff. They got the old TK and Mike videos on. Yeah, there. dude. <laughs> That TK and Mike's dude. I tried to get this guy to get into it. I was like, dude, this. We used to watch those at the hunting camp when I was a kid on a VCR. We had like the two Mex. We had the Mexico, the two deer hunters, the waterfowl, and the bass fishing. And those things are they're still funny. I still Mm -hmm. watch them and laugh. See, I can't figure out if I can't get into him because he hits me at the wrong time. Like I'm busy and he's like, hey, watch this video, or he's dying laughing the whole time and I can't even hear it because he's just rolling. There's no bad time for a TK and Mike (laughs) break. I can't believe. It, it's the most hilarious hunting show ever. It's awesome. And Pat Dye was on there, greatest greatest coach ever. So, the the part the one of my most favorite is when they're talking to each other on the radio. Mm-hmm. This is the Bama Slam over here. How about <laughs> we go over there, gut pile? <laughs> oh man! So you brought yeah, college or coach? Who's your what's your college team? Man, I'm just an SEC fan. Okay. So, I so mean, you, Florida Gators, though. Really. You feel, do you ever feel bad for, like, an Oklahoma when they just get absolutely railroaded like they do? Man, no. I don't it, either. I mean, it's just what it takes. T- I, I can <laughs> never feel bad for an Ohio State or an Oklahoma or an well, Oregon. I just can't. They USC. Talk, they talk so much smack about how they belong, and then they come along and play an SEC team, and then they get brought back to mm-hmm. reality. I mean, it's just the way it 13 is. 13 out of 14 national championships. Going yeah. back 14 years, I've had an SEC team in it. Yeah, and and I, you know, Dabo's got it going on in Clemson too. I can't take anything away. Yeah, from they got it going absolutely. on pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but let's face it, they they should probably be in the SEC anyway. Yeah, they're strong. Yeah. I mean, they've we'll give up Texas A&M or Missouri. Whew, good. I they you were say Tennessee. I was about to get mad. <laughs> no, no, we'll keep y'all. We need everybody needs that cupcake game. <laughs> oh, oh man, hey, you know that little known fact? I don't know if it still holds true. Um, winningest, the most winningest college football program was actually Swanee right up here on the mountain. Really? Yeah. Didn't I don't know, know if that. it's still holding true. I think it is, but they really yeah, good record from way back. Actually, Auburn played there back in like 1906 yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah, they used to play some really good teams up there. Well, so we'll uh, we'll be looking for that new uh, new video to drop out, and you're going to get us media passes. We'll wait on those and then some fighting frogs. Um, and then whenever you get a good tackle warehouse order or something we need, just yeah, throw I'll us a couple in there. I'll send you some uh, Bagley B1s or <laughs> some, uh, some of the new stuff that I've got coming. It'll be it'll be pretty pretty sure. Working on some new stuff, keeping it secret right now. No, I mean it's uh it's balsa, uh, so there's a lot of different stuff you can do with balsa, and they're bringing back some some uh, some old proven designs like the flat B's been brought back. Really, and, and you know they they've got the originals back to the way they were originally built, and that was big for me. And um, balsa's blowing up right now. It is, and, and it's the thing about Bagley, you can go pick up a premium balsa bait for seven to nine bucks mm-hmm. anymore there if you go to tackle warehouse and you look up the balsa baits are 25 dollars. Mm-hmm. i mean that's that's outrageous i mean to, to go out there and take it out package tied on hit it off the trolling motor and watch it shatter so oh yeah it's uh it's definitely a bait that to me out catches plastic you know hard plastic crankbaits for sure out where you get you know in the past, you'd get a light balsa, mm-hmm. and this one might be a little bit heavier and cast better, go deeper. Each one of those is going to be the same, so you ain't got to buy three or four of them to get one to run right or, you know, hmm. that's going to catch fish. Every one of them is going to be the And same that's something same. new they've been doing? Yeah, they, they just started that in probably 2012, 2013 time frame, and uh, they've really incorporated it into all their baits now. Mm-hmm. So 
it's really cool. Now, do you get any uh, hands-on experience? You know, do they ask for feedback where you get to kind of? Yep, I actually have a couple baits on the way that are coming from Yarmo Rapala, who their bait designer is now. A lot of people don't know that, um, but uh, I have a couple wake baits coming that uh, he's been working on, and and uh, it's it's awesome to me to be able to kind of be hands-on on something like that as well. Talk about that process just a little bit. I mean, how do you, you have something in your head that you just thought of and or something that you think the market needs and it's more something you to, need or, to me it's it's something ultimately that I need but also the, that the market needs I mean if let's face it if it's just a bait that I can catch fish on the elite series but they're not going to sell a bunch of them it doesn't benefit them to put it out so mm-hmm. uh, but yeah I didn't necessarily come up with the idea I just come up with how it fishes, how, you know, does mm-hmm. it catch fish? Does it, you know, cast well? Does it deflect off cover? Does it get hung up too much? You know, things like that. Does it need to have a smaller hook on it out of the package or mm-hmm. a bigger hook on it out of the package? And and they really value that feedback, and, the, and I'm thankful for it. They send you a bunch of prototypes to test, and you kind of go out and just throw them, or do you do it in a pool? Or Well, I, I have a pool now, I, you know, to, to test it in. and uh, But, you know, being close to Lake Seminole and you follow, I can obviously go out there and actually test it. Um, but, uh, but to me, you can, you can learn a lot by just seeing it run in the water and seeing how, what depths it gets to on, mm-hmm. on, on long cast and things like that. But, um, but honestly, um, he's such a talented, um, bait designer. He sends me pretty well perfect stuff whenever he sends me stuff so it's uh it's definitely a treat to, to get my hands on it before anybody else oh, that's pretty cool that's definitely cool um so we got a you got a new ones coming they're gonna be out at icast time or oh uh, yeah they'll okay. probably be out at icast yeah but we'll definitely look for those and uh i mean our address is seven thirty industrial drive just put uh tim and brian on it so all right we'll, we'll give you some honest feedback <laughs> Or send them to us and we'll organize them for you. Yeah, just, How about make that? Sure, just make sure Gary don't get his hands on them. I got to fish against that guy. Yeah, uh, that's, right. that's right. That's right. Well, look, man, we do appreciate it. And uh, good luck next year. We'll be seeing you at the Classic and uh, hopefully see you host up a couple of good trophies. And good luck with the baby, too. Well, um, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm excited to get 2020 rolling. Well, tell your son to bring that four-wheeler up and we'll ride that around the expo just to... Sounds good. <laughs> All right, man. All right. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. Right. Thank you.